Welcome back to Swarmcast, everybody. For the first time in, I think, three weeks, we have our full staff here, David Eichel, along with Sean Bach and Dylan Byrne of Hawkeye Insider on 24-7 Sports covering the Iowa Hawkeyes. Uh, Dylan, uh, welcome back, buddy. Thanks. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate it. Good to be back. Had some stuff I had to take care of the last couple weeks, growing up stuff that neither one of you punks would know about. So uh, good to be back, though. Sean, how you doing? You recovered from our uh, our venture to Ann Arbor yet? Yeah, Dave, that was that was quite the quite the adventure we had. Car ride wasn't very fun, but other than that, it was <laughs> <laughs> it was it was fine. Yeah, but uh, obviously Iowa coming off a ten to three loss to Michigan, and what was I? Th- I think we're. I think anyone involved watching the game was just frustrating to watch. I mean, it, it really it was a good defensive football game, but. I mean, it was just a really ugly football game. So I, I say we just kind of start with Michigan for a couple minutes before we dive into uh, Penn State, which is set to be an absolutely massive uh, recruiting weekend, uh, massive game, 10-year anniversary of the uh, Orange Bowl team from 2009, uh, the ANF game. So, I mean, every game, alternate uniforms, about everything that you could possibly think of is going into this game. But, uh, Dylan, since – Sean and I have been writing about it. What what was kind of your initial takeaways from the Michigan game? Um, I mean, if you're a fan of offensive football, certainly it was not for you. Um, for Iowa, it really couldn't have started on offense anyway. It could not have started any worse. Uh, you know, Sergeant fumbles um, inside uh, Iowa's 20 and gives the ball right back to, I think it was on the first play, uh, if my memory serving me correctly. Um, and then for Iowa, it was just, you know, the turnovers. Um, one of their interceptions was not Nate Stanley's fault, but the other two were just throws that you really don't expect a guy like him to make. And, you know, the one, two, um, I can't remember who the intended receiver was, but he had the single high safety. And um, it was, I mean, he was double teamed and Stanley still tried to force it in there. Gets picked off. And then I think in the second half, um, He's looking down the down the right sideline for for Tyrone Tracy, and he's just he's just not open. I mean, the Michigan defender has a step on him, and um, couple that with you know a, the abandonment of the running game. I think I had 36 plays ran in the second half, and 29 of them were pass plays. Uh, that really allowed Don Don Brown to kind of scheme up some stuff for his linebackers, and um, that's where the eight eight sacks came from. Um, confusing the Iowa offensive line and then the penalties. I mean, the one time uh, Iowa looks like they're going to maybe go down and score uh, maybe in the fourth quarter. Uh, I can't remember off the top of my head, but I want to say four penalties, two of the holding variety and just an ugly football game. And, you know, one that, you know, I think there's a lot of mistakes by a lot of people involved, coaching staff, offensive line. Um, quarterback it was really just but the defense was great they can't really uh, ask for much more out of them um, but the offense certainly needs going to need to step it up uh, this yeah you mentioned it Penn State yeah you mentioned the Makai Sargent was the one had that fumble right away and then I, yeah. I think the the drive that you're mentioning was that, that was when Tyler Goodson had that 31 yard reception yeah. uh, down the sideline great great ball by Stanley though probably his best pass of the day mm-hmm. Really underrated catch, I feel like, from Tyler Goodson, too, that over the shoulder, I mean, that that's like a wide receiver caliber catch. You don't see many running backs uh, kind of doing that out of the backfield. But, uh, Sean, I guess we, you've written a lot about it, obviously, what 
your kind of thoughts were, but just try, try to sum it up pretty quick for us. What what'd you kind of see against Michigan and what are some things that Iowa need to take in, uh, take into this week against Penn state? Yeah. Offensively, it's, it's tough to get going when really nothing's working for you, whether that's passing game, running game, um, offensive line, obviously too, when they're struggling, it's kind of tough to get things going because you got nothing going through the air. Then I don't think your rushing attack will be that great either, especially against a team like Michigan who doesn't have the best defensive line in the world, but they're solid. They got some very talented players up front and at linebacker too. Um, so it's just tough in that regard when really nothing seems to click on offense and really it's hard to get that momentum too. But defensively, Dylan hit on hit on everything pretty much. I mean, just a solid overall group effort. They talked about a couple of plays that they want back. I know Davion Nixon mentioned a few that he said he wished he could have back, but it's on to the next one, and that's all you can really worry about right now. Um, I think the secondary, too, I wrote about it in one of my postgame thoughts that the secondary, the young secondary, has been phenomenal despite all the injuries and whatnot. Um, Geno Stone has been probably the team, the defensive MVP to this point, just because he's such a solid leader and brings so much to the to the table for this Iowa team. He's good in pass coverage, and as we saw, is great in the open field when it comes to tackling. He had that big that big takedown on uh, third and long, I think it was. I think on an option where if he wasn't there, then the Michigan running back would have had a wide open lane for a first down, and maybe maybe even more. So. Definitely good in that regard. Um, and I think, too, the defensive line starting to pick it up outside of A.J. Vanessa. I mean, he's been double team, triple team this year. But I think guys like Chauncey Golson, Davion Nixon are starting to come around. Um, and with Brady Reef coming back, too, this week, like that'll be that'll be a big boost. But I did think Austin Schulte did a fine job as well. Um, yeah, so with defensively overall, can't really complain about anything. Linebackers are solid as, solid as always, which I think it's a good thing that we're not talking about them as much because if we were, then it'd probably be for – not great things, um, but I think Dijamon Colbert and Christian Welch have done a phenomenal job manning the middle, being great communicators out there. I know that was a big thing with them coming this year. Welch has always been a big communicator. Same thing with Colbert, but they've really picked, seemed to pick that up this week. And Nick Neiman, too, I like I like in that spot. They haven't really gone to the cast position much, um, the 4-2-5, so they've been doing a lot more three linebacker sets, and I think I think that's really benefited the defense thus far. You know, something I did want to talk about that I don't think enough people are talking about when it came to the offensive game plan. And first of all, I I don't like criticizing coaching staffs for play calls. I I feel like it's not our it's not really our place uh, to do that. But I do think it's fair to raise some questions surrounding the thinking. So with that being said, I mean, do you guys feel like that they Iowa abandoned the run game too early? I think it was Dylan at the beginning mentioned that. Iowa primarily threw in that fourth quarter. And from what I remember, the final of the final 21 plays, 20 of them were passing. I think of the final 30, like 28 of them were passing. It was only a one score game for most of the game outside when it was 10 to zero. So, I mean, despite Michigan stopping the run, did did Iowa abandon it too soon? Yeah. I mean, I certainly, I, I think so. I mean, it was, it's not something you typically see from, and Iowa team is shy away from the run. So, I mean, them them going away from it, um, it was just, you know, and obviously Michigan um, has had success, you know, in the game, you know, stopping the run. Um, 
but it wasn't there wasn't really their forte I guess coming in uh, they were more of a you know they're I think they had a top three passing defense coming in um, and the run defense was I, I want to say in the mid 80s in the country so uh, for Iowa just to completely go away from it I mean it almost felt like they were you know, it almost felt like they thought they were down by two or three scores, but, you know, it's only a seven point game and it was in reach the entire, you know, the entire game. So to go away from that, when you have three guys um, like Torn Young, Sergeant, and then Tyler Goodson, it was, it was just head scratching. And I, I, uh, I definitely think they, they abandoned it way, way, way too soon. Sean, did you think that Iowa banned the run game too early? Yeah, I would say so. I think you look at that stat where it was 18 of the last 19 passes or 19 plays from scrimmage were passes. That kind of causes some concern because, I mean, the running game wasn't at its best, but you look at it statistically and you see that Nate Stanley had, what, negative 67 yards rushing ball, which all came from him being sacked. Um, Torrin Young was solid, but as we saw, he left the game early. I thought Tyler Goodson, if you get him some – some looks in the open field, he's going to make something happen. And we saw that too with the Pat when you put him, when you line him outside, um, when you beat Cameron growing on that long route. I think if you do some more situations like that, or even some slip screens, I think they did a slip screen to Makai Sargent at some point during the game. That really helped them out, got kind of switched up a little bit, made the defense off, get them off their toes. Um, so I think if they did stuff like that, maybe uh, with Goodson too, just making him just getting the ball in his hands honestly would have been would have been my game plan i'm with you dave i don't like really critiquing the coaching staff um when it comes to play calling but i do think if i do think if i were to do it again i think they'd abandon not abandon the run but i think they would try and get the ball back in the goodson's hands because i think he's your best playmaker from a i want to say versatility standpoint I know they have Amir Smith-Marset, Tyrone Tracy, but I think Goodson is more proven in that regard, which is kind of crazy to say. I do think Tracy's probably up there as well, but I think Goodson, just based on what he did during that game, it's hard. It's hard to argue that he would have he would have made an impact with his feet if he if they would have gotten the ball more later on in the game. Introducing the Two Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. You know, it's interesting to me. I'll get, I'll get my quick take on this. That remember, Iowa's first play from scrimmage in that second half was a 15 yard run by Torn Young. That worked. I think later that drive, they had another five yard gain. And, you know, it's one of those things where Iowa needs to run the football to keep the defense on their toes. They're not a good enough passing team that you can, you know, go full Washington State air raid, you know, spread, whatever. But it got to the point where, Don Brown is so experienced and Michigan's usually a top defense. He's not guessing anymore. He knows exactly what you're doing. So it was just, I mean, it was a piece of cake for him, honestly, trying to game plan that fourth quarter because Iowa just did not run the football. And we've brought it up time and time again, I feel like on this podcast that everyone in the world knew Iowa was not going to run the football well against Mississippi state last year, but they ran it. 
and it resulted in like an 80-yard play action to Nick Easley. Iowa couldn't even do the play action because they knew it was a play action. Iowa gave up on the run. Um, I think you're right. I think Tyler Goodson should have gotten some more carries, and he is listed on the depth chart this week, so I'm a little bit interested to see what happens uh, you know, with him there and what that results in. But, I mean, he's second on the team in combined touches with 65. Makai Sargent leads the team with 72. But I think there's a lot to take away from this game. I think Iowa does need to find a way to run the ball against Penn State because we saw what happened last year against Penn State where Nate Stanley went 18-49, of arguably his worst game of his career, along with that Wisconsin game in 2017. So it's another, I think it's another big test for Nate Stanley in terms of what is what is his legacy because people are upset with the way he's performed on the road. I mean, it's absolutely understandable. Dylan, I know you've tweeted out some stats over the past you know week or so heading into that game and after that game about what he's done on the road and against ranked opponents. But if he comes back and beats a good Penn, a really good Penn State team, then Iowa's got two easier games against a Northwestern team, which does not look like a normal Northwestern team and an incredibly beat-up Purdue team. So I was looking at potential 7-1 record uh, going into Madison, and then there's another legacy game for Nate Stanley on the line. But, you know, transitioning over into Penn State, there are some good things that Iowa can take out of the Michigan game. Third and long conversions I thought were great, although Iowa was O of their last seven third-down conversions, but started off, I believe, 6 of 10. Uh, didn't get the run game going. Nate Stanley still threw some good passes, and the defense – uh, played well, but taking a look at this uh, this Penn State team, I mean, I think Iowa Iowa knows that what type of challenge they're in for, and I think the environment's going to be massive, uh, you know, especially with with how the last couple of years against Penn State have gone. But it, it's an interesting question when you analyze this this Penn State team, guys, because you could argue that they haven't really played anybody besides maybe Pittsburgh, but that they've been taking care of business it, is. How I guess how good do you think this Penn State team is? Obviously, their defense has been elite. Uh, Sean Clifford's done a nice job in that uh, stepping up for Trace McSorley. But is is it fair for Iowa fans to be a little bit skeptical about how good this Penn State team actually is, or do you think that this is a very real, very legit uh, top ten to fifteen team? Uh, Dylan, I'll start with you. I mean, I think it's fair to be a little bit skeptical. I think their strength of schedule is 88 out of 130 in the country. So, I mean, they haven't really played. I mean, like you mentioned, Dave, it was Pitt. And then that's probably – and they, they played Maryland. They played Maryland and Purdue in the Big Ten, right, as of now. And, uh, you know, Maryland, obviously, we've seen them. That's kind of a team people were like, oh, you know, maybe this is a surprise in the Big Ten. And then that happened, and we're like, well, okay, well, maybe not. Um, so, I mean, the schedule, yeah, it's, I mean, it's fair to look at it and be like, you know, you know, they have yet to be tested. Um, but this, like you said, is an elite level defense. Um, I want to say they're, they're top five in total defense. And I want to say they lead the country in sacks. Yeah, they're at five very for a game. Close. Yeah. Yeah, they have a couple, they have a couple guys with, uh, with five already, Shaq Tony and you gross Matos. So, I mean, coming off of that eight-set game, if you're Iowa and then you have to play a team like this, it's like, okay, well, how are we going to run into the same problems? Um, I think that game in Michigan is going to be a learning experience um, for, for Brian. Uh, he's, I know he's well, – this is his third year. Is this, this is his second year as the third year. coordinator. Third year. So he's still – I mean, you know, 
he's still learning. Um, I mean, he's not, he's not a, a veteran offensive coordinator yet, but um, he's getting there. So, I mean, that's something he can, he can adjust to. And, you know, I think that they're definitely going to need to run the football somewhat effectively um, against Penn state. Uh, I really see, you know, a, a low scoring game. It's going to be because Iowa's defense is going to bring it to, um, we know that they, they always do it at home at night. So, um, but it's, it's fair to, you know, maybe be a little bit, a bit skeptical of this Penn state team. I think so. I think when you look at this Penn state team, I do think they're a legitimate, honestly, like I was kind of, Coming into the year, I was not as sold, but I think now with a couple of games and we've seen what they've done um, against some of these lower lower level teams, I do think they're top 15. The one thing that concerns me, though, is that Pittsburgh game where they barely came up with the victory. I mean, Pittsburgh's a, a solid power five team, but and that was a tough environment they are playing in. There always seems to be that extra, extra oomph when it to a rivalry game. So I do think that one kind of maybe one to – make people pedal or stop the brakes a little bit with them. But I do think when you look at this team, how talented they are. I mean, Sean Clifford's been phenomenal. Um, Journey Brown, Noah Kane has really emerged too. The offensive line's starting to get better. The wide receivers are really skilled. I do think you look up and down this lineup, and I would argue that this might be probably the most talented team that Iowa plays all season. Would you Would you agree? Yeah. Yeah, I would. I think yeah. I think Wisconsin chemistry is unreal, like like normal. But in terms of pure talent and athleticism and everything, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's Penn State. Yeah, like I mean, Michigan had some dogs. Don't get me wrong, but you look at this Penn State team and you're like, oh crap, like, these kids are talented, but they're also young, they're skilled, and they can they can do some damage. And we've seen that earlier this season against lower level opponents, but still. It's kind of like how Sean or uh, James Franklin has built his teams. Like, there's just a lot of talent, and the thing I like about this talent is it all seems to complement each other. Um, you look at tight end position too; they got one of the best in the country. Um, wide receivers are just young, but they're so good. Same thing with the running backs. There, there's just so much talent. Linebacker too. Defensive line is top. Micah Parsons top. is yeah one of the. I think he's the most athletic linebacker I've ever seen film yeah. on tv whatever he's unbelievable he's gonna be an he's gonna be an absolute freak in the nfl too yeah so i definitely think top to bot like when you're looking at skill wise like this is the most talented team i was played all season and probably will play unless they make it um to a big 10 championship against ohio state or what depending on what bowl game they go in. yeah no i in, in in short i i basically agree i i think that they're legit i i'm not 100 percent sold on their offense but i do believe that they're this this team in general is a lot better than i gave them credit for i i was actually on a our penn state 24 7 podcast which should be uploading either tonight or tomorrow and i i basically apologize to their fan base because i i undersold them coming into the year and they, they do look legit a lot of talented playmakers Something interesting too. I think Sean, you you mentioned it when we were you know talking about Iowa's upcoming schedule on the drive up to Michigan. That twenty eight of Penn State's touchdowns are courtesy of freshmen and sophomores, which just proves that this team is going to be legit for the next couple of years. I mean, they have like you said, playmakers all over the field. But this also raises another question, at least to me, because 
Sean Clifford took over for Trace McSorley, who, you know, Iowa fans have a very, you know, a disdain for to, to undersell it. And he, but he was a great leader for Penn State. Penn State faithful, love him. But they're placing him. You have all these freshmen, sophomores, and you look at the schedule, I feel like, this year, and you, you say to yourself, man, they really have not played in a hostile environment. And there's so many of these guys that, you know, I it's interesting to me. So I guess the question that I have for you both, and, and Dylan, I'll, I'll start with you. Can Will Kinnick's environment, does Kinnick's environment have a chance to really set a tone for these young Penn State playmakers to kind of uh, intimidate them from the start? And do you think it'll have a big impact on Sean Clifford, who really hasn't played in this type of, you know, difficult environment during his career? Yeah, I mean, I don't think that I don't think that that's unfair. Yeah, I mean, he's you know, this is his first year as a starter. Um, like you mentioned with the other the other young guys, uh, their running backs are all I think they're kind of going with a three headed monster. Um, so, yeah, I mean, anytime you play in Kinnick at night, I mean, and I've done some peeking around over on Penn State's twenty four seven board, and there, I mean, their fans know what what Kinnick brings and. Um, you know, they're obviously anytime you play Iowa at night inside Kinnick Stadium, it's. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all wheel drive and three row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You know, it can be a little nerve-wracking because it gets loud. It's it's just, I don't know, something, something about the, the place. I mean, a couple years ago, the win over Ohio State. A couple years ago, the win over Michigan. Just, it's something about Kinnick at night. And, I mean, the young, with the young guys that haven't really, I mean, where have they played at Maryland this year? Um, yeah. I mean, that was... That was kind of a – I know they were pretty pumped for that game, but it was pretty much over uh, after the first quarter. So, um, in a game like this, I expect to be low scoring um, where Penn State might have to, you know, sustain a drive uh, like they did last time they came and Trace McSorley made a, made a pass, but that's a pass you expect a veteran guy to make. Um, Sean Clifford, first, first real road start, I would say. Um, does he does he make the same play? So I mean, yeah, I mean the youth the youth of Penn State is something that that could play a factor certainly. Yeah, I do think it's going to be tough. Like, I I mean, like Dylan said, Kinnick Stadium at night. There's probably no. I mean, obviously Happy Valley's tough. Ohio State is tough. Um, you got those ones, but it's just something about those ranked teams coming into coming into Iowa City at night, that makes things really difficult. And I think, too, with kind of just the crowd, the and it being the ANF appreciation game or what, whatever it's called, um, it's going to have some emotion. I don't know how much on the players, but I think around the stadium, just kind of the whole vibe of the city, there's going to be a lot of buzz. And I know they're even after the Michigan loss, that, that kind of seems to be behind everyone, even like the student body and the players as well. They kind of they all talked about their twenty four hour rule where they worry about the loss then, but then they flush it and focus on the next week. I really think this team is a big believer in that, and they've really executed that. I think they're going to find the pieces to put it together, and 
really be set for set for Saturday. I do think that's going to help. I do think they're going to really build off the loss, and which will help too. And I think too, just kind of the emotions coming off their loss makes it makes it a really a game where they realize now they're like, okay, we got to win this game. Like if we want to be, if we want to go to Indianapolis, if we want to be at the top of the Big Ten West, we have to win this game. Like this is a must win on our schedule. So that I think it's going to be. I think it's going to play a big factor. Um, I do think. Penn State with the younger guys they have, they they could have a little bit of growing pains throughout. I do think they'll settle in towards like the second half, but I do think Kinnick's gonna be gonna be tough on Saturday for, for the Nittany Lions. Yeah, you know, I think that <clears throat> well something that needs to be said too is Kinnick, by the way, people who have been to Kinnick Stadium knows, but people who have not, Kinnick is loud. Like I'm not talking just football stadium loud, but the way the entire uh Kinnick Stadium is structured. It's designed to keep sound in. I mean, it's loud. It's it's pretty it's pretty insane when you only think about almost seventy thousand people uh, in the stadium. So, where I'm getting at with that is when you have an inexperienced quarterback on the road. I mean, granted, he's been in the system for a few years. Like he knows his weapons. You know all of that communication issues with those younger players. Maybe not getting the proper play calls. Uh, maybe not getting the right, you know, call outs at the line of scrimmage. Maybe people are don't hear the audible correctly. There's a number of things that go in it. So I'm interested to see what kind of uh, communication issues that uh, Penn State could have. But so, I mean, there's just like you said, Sean, there's a lot riding on this game. It This is almost feels like a must win uh, if Iowa wants to continue to run the table. And I, I feel like this is maybe the first step on their, I mean, think about this. Iowa's quote-unquote revenge tour um Iowa lost close to Penn State last year uh they play Purdue next week they narrowly lost to Purdue last year they play at Northwestern they lost narrowly lost Northwestern last year so I think these next three to you know three to five weeks including the bye week I mean this is this defines Iowa's season because they're going up against the teams that bested them last year and I, I think a win against a very good Penn State team, which is, I think, a legit top 15 team, would go a long way in establishing the confidence that Iowa needs. But like you mentioned, this is, I think, a must win uh, for Iowa going forward if they want to contend for a Big Ten title. So I think, like, the the way, you know, Iowa lost those games, too, you know, I think they're all one-score games. I think the Penn State game was a six-point game, Purdue a two-point game. And then uh, Northwestern was a seven-point game, so I mean they're just to be so close like that, and then to, to kind of lose it at the at the last second is you know it's really as a competitor probably it leaves a solid taste in your mouth. So that could be some added extra motivation for for the Iowa guys um, while they go on this little tour starting on Saturday. Yeah, and you know it's interesting to me too because it feels like those are the games, and even last year's team thought that they had a chance to be special. I think many of us did too on the outside, uh, but it was just the little things like that that cost them down the stretch. But like you mentioned, I think this group's hungry. I think Nate Stanley is going to take the next few weeks personally. I mean, people don't see it, but I think over the last year, especially he he really shows what kind of competitor he is. I mean, watch him after he throws a touchdown. I mean, he's yelling, he's screaming, he's you know flexing jumping and we 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 play off uh stanley as this cool composed even keeled athlete but he he you know he's got a lot of emotion when he's on that field so i think that speaks to the competitor he is and i'm, I'm interested to see how he responds following that that poor start but 
A uh, couple quick injury updates that Kirk Ferentz provide us uh, with with us today. Uh, defensive tackle Brady Reef is back uh, in the mix. He's likely to start Saturday, which I think's a good thing for Iowa's defensive line, especially since they have not been rotating a lot of defensive linemen this year like we thought they would. Uh, but I think Reef's got you know he's got a lot of leadership. He's been around the block. He's quick. Takes up clogs a lot of space. Um, and it's another body that Iowa can rotate. Another guy, which I think Iowa fans will be very happy to hear, is that defensive back Matt Hankins started to practice yesterday. Uh, and Kirk did mention that he has a chance uh, to play Saturday, but he seemed uh, pretty encouraged, I think, for the most part. So diving in a little bit more to some of the storylines hanging in this game, something that I want to talk about, I think this has been – widely written on our site and we've talked about this plenty of times and we, we even touched on it a little bit in the podcast but I want to dive into it a little bit deeper where do you guys right now see Tyler Goodson because I think a lot of people on the outside even amongst media folks uh guys have been you know on this beat for 20 plus years say hey like this, this kid needs to start um, I'm also in that boat. I think that Tyler Goodson needs to start, but I'm kind of curious uh, to hear both of your thoughts on the usage of Tyler Goodson and, and if he should be the starter right now or if Iowa should, you know, stick with uh, Makai Sargent and Torn Young for now. I do think you make Goodson the starter. Um, I'm basing that off of what he brings, and we've talked about it, David, constantly, and we've seen on Twitter amongst the beat writers too that, he just brings something different to the table that I don't know. I mean, Akramwadley, you could say he does that, but Goodson, man, like he just has a way with the ball in his hands, whether it's making cuts, getting to the outside, which we're still waiting for him to break out along with, but I think that one's coming soon. I just think you got to, I just think you got to give him a try out there at starter. I just think he does so many things well with such a the small sample size that we've seen. Um, that's really starting to pick up. And I honestly think today the way Kirk answered that question about where things stand with Tyler Goodson, I think he wants to – I think he really wants to make him that top guy. Um, I think he's still kind of now like, whoa, like I didn't expect this kid to be as good as he was so soon because he's really, really come on like as a physical and just like a football player and – in terms of like the mental side of the game, he just seems to understand. He honestly looks like a third or fourth year guy when he's out there because he's so fluid with his movement and really just seems to have a knack for, for making something happen with the ball. And whether that's he's going to get stuff for two yards, but he somehow finds a way to make it three to four with his feet, or if he can run over defender too. I mean, he's shown that power, he's shown that speed, that really that elusiveness that I think. I think that no one else on this Iowa team has. I mean, I like Makai Sargent. I can see him. Torn Young doesn't have that speed, but he's a power guy, good on third down situations, goal line situations, what have you. But I think it's time to make Goodson, Goodson the full time. We've seen it multiple occasions. We saw it against Michigan, who, I mean, he didn't do great against the run, but in the passing game, he was he was phenomenal. I think that's a small enough sample size for you to be like, okay, this kid, this kid could do something. Yeah, you know, it's kind of a tough situation for the coaching staff to be in because, you know, it's, you know, you can really, you can put two running backs on the field. Um, but it's, I mean, it's tough. And they have four that they like. Um, I thought Tyler Goodson lined up a lot more at receiver than he has in past weeks on Saturday. Um, that could be one way that they really try to 
you know, use him, get the ball in his hands. Um, he has 14 receptions, which is the most amongst um, all the Big Ten running backs so far this year. So clearly Iowa's making it a point. If they're not going to turn and hand him the ball, they're going to pass it to him. And I think that that speaks volumes to, you know, just his ability. You know, a lot of times, you know, freshmen don't come in this polished and that's what he is. I mean, he's still going to, he had his fair share of struggles um, in pass protection. Um, he got blown by a couple of times on Saturday, which for a freshman running back, pass protection is probably one of the things that they are not very good at. I mean, it's, you know, he's been, he's been on campus for four or five months. So um, this episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You know, you're expecting to struggle there, but just the raw ability when he gets into space to make guys miss. Um, you know, I can see it being a few years ago, Geno Stone and Matt Hankins kind of came in late in the season as, as true freshmen and started to make an impact. I can see something pretty similar uh, with this kid. I don't know if it's this week, um, but before long, uh, we're going to see him start a game, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I'm about in the same boat as you guys. I, I think that it's it's kind of bizarre to think about Sean. You mentioned it earlier, but I mean, I think Tyler Goodson's one. And he hasn't even scored a touchdown yet. <laughs> I mean, that, let's keep things in perspective. He hasn't even scored a touchdown yet, but just he's shown off so many flashes of so many different skill sets that you just kind of see like, hey, if he puts it together, you know, I I think Tyler Goodson by the end of his career is a potential you know all all Big Ten type caliber back because. He, he oozes upside, and he it seems like he does something different every week. And I, I think before long, I think you're right, he he is going to start. And I'm interested to see how Iowa uses him, especially in you know against against Penn State this weekend. We kind of touched on the offense, touch uh, touch bill on the defense. Uh, this Penn State team, obviously, I think very dangerous. Uh, Pat Fryermuth, the tight end, all American, a big red zone target, been incredibly effective this year. K.J. Hamler is another guy, and they use a committee of running backs, like you said, Sean, Noah Kane, Journey Brown. I also, you know, he hasn't done much this year, but true freshman Ricky Slade, I think he's a home run threat every single time he, he gets the ball. I don't care what his production is. He, he watches film. He's dynamic. Uh, you know, so I think Iowa needs to know when he's on the field as well. But I think this is a big test for Sean Clifford, and I think this is an even bigger test for Iowa just to see what what they you know what they have this season and what they want this season to be about because Iowa's not in the driver's seat if if they win Saturday but they remain in the front seat because then they're going to go in to Wisconsin and that game you know barring upsets for either team down the road that game's going to decide what the Big Ten's all about uh the Big Ten West is all about so I I'll, let's just kind of dive in well, we're going to save our predictions. I, t- I changed my mind. We've given our predictions in previous weeks, but we're going to save that for our game day picks. Um, smart, Dave. Smart. Thank you, man. Teasing it. I uh, still I still really don't know. Like, I still have a tough time with my prediction. Yeah, I do too. 
so I guess let's just start with Dylan. Uh, what's one key for the offense and one key for Iowa's defense uh, if they want to get come out with a win? I mean, I think for the offense, it's just getting back to the basics. You know, um, they might struggle running the football, but it's going to have to be something that they don't just completely abandon like they did on Saturday because Penn State's going to be able to do pretty much what Michigan did because Penn State has those big athletic edge rushers that'll come get you. Um, so, I mean, keep running the football. Um, this is a good defense um, that Penn State has. So, um, it might be for Iowa's defense, it might be about, you know, forcing some turnovers in, um, in plus territory and, and, you know, giving Iowa a short field to work with. I think I want to say that's what happened uh, when Iowa beat Michigan a few years back. I think they had a big safety too. So it might come down to, you know, some weird, some weird plays. You know, this is not going to be a game where teams are going to be able to sustain eight, nine play drives because these two defenses are just so, so stingy. And then for Iowa's defense, it's just going to be about pre- preventing the big play. Uh, KJ Hamler and just Jahan Dotson are two two big time receivers. They both average over 20 yards per catch. Um, Iowa's defense on Saturday was phenomenal. Really, the only touchdown uh, Michigan got was you know they had that big long pass um, down inside their red zone, and then they just. By the way, Johnson defended up. that pretty well. Yeah, no, he was. I mean, he was in. <clears throat> um, he was in a good spot. He just it was just a better play by the receiver. So. There's nothing you can do there, but if I mean, if you're looking at it, Michigan, you know that that's pretty much it for them. The field goal came off the the turnover, and then you know that big pass, and then that was you know they couldn't sustain anything either. So for Iowa, it's just going to be about preventing the big play and just you know bending but not breaking. And I mean that's what they've done all year. They they're one of the best defenses um, in the country for a reason. But that's what Penn State's been doing too. So this is going to be a defensive struggle. Um, I don't know if either team is going to get to 20 points, to be honest with you. I do think offensively it starts off with the offensive line. We saw it against Michigan. That was not their best outing. The guards struggled. Tyler Linderbaum wasn't himself. He did have some tough competition, but we've seen him go up against guys like Ray Lima and dominate, but he didn't do that on Saturday, which I get. I mean, he's still young, but Still, if you're going to be the starting center at Iowa, you're you're expected you you have a high expectation. So, I think it's just going to be the offensive line starts up there. I think the health of Alaric Jackson too is going to be huge. He said he felt good during the game against Michigan on Saturday, but Kirk Ferentz mentioned that he probably shouldn't have started him as early as he did, kind of ease him into it. But they're going to need him on Saturday because they need to stop this defensive line. They need to really, really let the plays develop, let Nate Stanley get comfortable. I mean, I know it's not he's not going to have a bunch of time every time he gets he drops back, but you got to give him a little extra time than you did last week. And eight sacks cannot happen. If you allow eight sacks, your offense is not going to get going. And unless your defense is absolutely unbelievable, then you're not going to win any football game. So I think just letting Stanley get into his, get into his progressions, let him figure stuff out, Give them some time will help definitely for offense. Um, getting the running game going too, I think, is going to be huge. And defensively, man, that's tough because I think this defense is just so good, but it's going to be limiting the playmakers, keeping those guys in front of you. Penn State has a lot of speed on the outside, a lot of speed in the backfield, great playmakers all around. 
that can make something happen whenever. So I think just taming those guys and making sure they don't get behind you, not letting those big plays happen. Um, there's no Saquon Barkley on this team, but there are a couple very good playmakers that can do damage. And I think if Iowa doesn't tame those guys, doesn't lock in on them, then it could be it could be an offensive show. But I do think I do agree with Dylan's take that this is probably gonna be a low scoring battle. Um, but Iowa defense needs to needs to make sure of that. And if they do that, then I think they'll be set. Yeah, you know, I'll I'll kind of go for offense. I think Nate Stanley's composure. I think Nate Stanley needs to have a good head on his shoulders throughout the week. I think he needs to come out strong. So Iowa, I think starting fast is is a giant thing. Um, get that early confidence going. They didn't score a touchdown against Michigan, scored a touchdown against Penn State early. Get that confidence going, established, have a good complete drive, couple runs, maybe a couple nice pass plays. And on defense, I think the biggest thing is getting – to Sean Clifford. Iowa is second to last in the country right now in tackles for loss. And they're only averaging just over uh, one sack a game. So I think getting in that backfield and granted Iowa's defensive line has not played poorly. That's not what I'm implying, but I think they need to get Sean Clifford pressured early, put him on his back a few times, get the D uh, his, you know, get his Jersey dirty. Um, and really getting that Kinnick crowd into it because with a young, inexperienced team like that, I'd really like to see Iowa come out really aggressive on defense, put pressure on him, force him to make bad decisions, and really just 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 do all that. Um, if they do that, I feel like I, I do like Iowa's chances uh, in this game. But the question is, uh, Penn State on both lines of scrimmages are incredibly talented. They're strong. They're big. They're athletic. And I did like that you mentioned Alaric Jackson because remember last year, uh, Yatir Gross Matos had four tack four tackles for loss, two sacks, and I believe was the second leading tackler on that team last year. And it felt like I mean it, it everyone in you know every Iowa fan knew it. I mean Gross Matos completely dominated last year, so I think Alaric Jackson's going to be very hungry uh, to kind of redeem himself. So with that being said, like I said, I don't want to give predictions, but I will ask. Where are you guys trending at this moment? Who who do you think has a slight advantage uh, right now, Sean? Which way are you trending? Penn State, just a little bit. I think talent wise, they're a step above Iowa, and almost at that tier of Ohio State. But Kinnick at home or Iowa at home at night. That's going to be tough. I do think Penn State, I'm leaning Penn State, but that could change as the week goes on. We'll see. We'll see how my we'll see how my tests and papers go. Then I'll then I'll decide. <laughs> uh, Dylan, I'm I'm pretty much with Sean. Um, you know, you could you could argue both sides here. It's not hard to make an argument for both teams. Um, one thing I do look at is James Franklin has never won on the road over a ranked team. Is that a trend that continues? Um, I, <laughs> I think so right now, but uh, I'm with Sean. It could it could change by by Saturday morning when we run our picks. Uh, right now, I'm going to give Iowa just a just a slight edge. It's not by much, but look at slight. look at you. What are you dropping that knowledge right there, Dylan, about the ranked? Because I, I I completely forgot about that stat too, and it's a little bit surprising when you just look at you know the caliber of program Penn State is and how talented of a recruiter that. Uh, James Franklin is, but yeah, I'm, 
I'm kind of right with you guys right in the middle right now uh, when I'm looking at Penn State is how does their team respond to adversity? Because think about this. They have not really had any adversity so far this season. I mean, I guess you could argue Pittsburgh, but even then, not really. Um, because they, they still felt like they controlled the game. They made the plays down the stretch to pull away with the win. I'll say right now I'm trending. It's like 51-49, though. I'm going to give it to Iowa just because so many things are going on in Iowa City, and I think that Iowa's going to make it a point of emphasis to make Sean Clifford uncomfortable. But if Penn State knows how to respond to adversity and their offense can prove themselves against a very, very tough disciplined, talented Iowa defense, then I think we're talking Penn State potential Big Ten title contender because that defense, I think, is a Big Ten championship level. So I'm going to go with uh, Iowa slightly. That, yeah, one thing to keep in mind, Dave, is Penn State hasn't – they haven't left the East Coast. They've been out there. That's, that's, so having to come halfway across the country could play a big – you know, some of these young guys not traveling very much. That could play a factor too. So, I mean, there's a lot of – there's a lot of ifs, ands, or buts here. Well, yeah, stay tuned to HawkeyeInsider.com for the latest. We'll have plenty more content up, including a couple of podcasts, our picks, and everything else. But uh, for David Eichel, Sean Bach, and Dylan Byrne, uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. CBS Tonight, TV's hottest show is Fire Country. I'm not a hero. I'm in orange for a reason. They're taking 12 months off your sentence. You're free. Lady. With a special epic season finale. Now that I'm out, I need something to get me up in the morning. You are a firefighter. Used to be. That will be unforgettable. In the name of your life's happiness, go get your girl. She's getting married tomorrow. Says, when do you let anything get in the way of what you want? The Fire Country season finale tonight, 9, 8 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.